Welcome to the Daily Cheap Shot Podcast. My name is Josh Caudill, and we are bringing you unfiltered sports talk with all the sports and none of the politics. If you came for politics, you're in the wrong place. You can find that over at the the Four Letter Network. Us here at the Daily Cheap Shot, we're creating a sports community that's bringing us back to our roots. What we love about sports. We love the competition. We love the debate and argument. It's going to follow. Now, if you're into that, you can connect with us at our website, dailycheapshot.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're ready, DCS is ready. Let's get right into the No Filter Zone. Starting off, they need to give it to us every single year. I want it. What do you ask I want? Bama versus Clemson. The two most talented rosters in college football every single season. No matter what. And it's clear this year, they're the two most talented again. Take a page out of the Patriots and Colts playbook when it was Brady versus Manning every single year. We need to see it. We need Saban versus Dabo every year. Give me Mac Jones versus Trevor Lawrence. Give me Najee Harris versus Trevor, Travis Etienne. Every single year, we need it. Alabama looks great on offense. Najee Harris, Mac Jones, through the air. They've got Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith. They look unstoppable on offense. Now look, I'm going to be honest. I'm not sold on the defense. They still look suspect. They gave up over 400 yards to Georgia. And I don't think Georgia's offense is very good. They're average at best. But they gave up over 400 yards to Georgia. So there's a, there is a deficiency there, but that's what makes this game so interesting to me. Because the Clemson offense, if Bama's unstoppable, I don't know what adjective you use for Clemson. I just watched Clemson play Georgia Tech and drop 73. I watched them play the week prior, and they took care of a good Miami defense and made them look average. Basically, you have two pros playing at the college level. Trevor Lawrence, he's a he's a number one overall pick, just waiting to happen. Travis Etienne, running back, it's hard to say he's a first round pick, but he's a guy that in the NFL with his speed, he's gonna be a star. They're two future NFL stars playing in a college offense. Their secondary on defense, here's what separates them from everybody else. The secondary is legit. They've got a corner, Darian Kendrick. They don't even throw in his direction. You don't see that on the college level a lot. The pro level, yeah, you'll see a guy take away half the field. But at the college level, that's saying something. And he's not the only one. They've got several future NFL players in that secondary. And I would love to watch that matchup with Waddle Smith versus Kendrick and Booth. It sounds sounds like a match made in heaven. Whatever it takes, give me this matchup every 
single year. The names may change, but the matchups, they will not disappoint. Now let's switch gears a little bit. Let's touch on the NASCAR playoffs. I'm going to be totally, totally transparent. That's what we're here for. We're here to be transparent, unfiltered. Joey Logano is probably my least favorite NASCAR driver. Well, yeah, I'd say least favorite. I will give him this credit. He did a tremendous job the last 40 laps of that race in Kansas to hold off Kevin Harvick. Harvick had a better car, but Logano was able to block his moves. Logano was able to get in, the, get in dirty air, toss that back on the, on the nose of, the, of Harvick's four car. And Harvick was never able to get a run, even to get side by side with Joey Logano. Thus, Logano is going to race for a championship in Phoenix in a couple of weeks. Now, I will say, before I get into the the playoff numbers and how everything looks going forward, I just want to say this package, the high downforce, 550 horsepower package, I think it's got to go. It's fun to watch these guys on restarts, and it's fun to watch the, the basically drafting package that this has created. But when they're just a couple of cars together, it's just too hard to pass. It should not be that easy on a track like Kansas to block someone and keep them behind you. That's not what, as race car fans, we want to see. We want to see guys able to get side by side. We want to see guys be able to make passes for the lead. The only real passes you saw for the lead was Chase Elliott going up and getting the lead from Harvick. As good as Harvick was, to not be able to even make a move and challenge Logano, it spoke volumes about the package that they're bringing to the racetrack. I just don't like it. I don't know what the fix is. I'm not a, I am not a car guy. I don't have the understanding of what it takes to make these cars go fast. But what I know is this package for me, I've had, I've had about all I, I, I want to see of it. I, I'm ready for something new. Uh, maybe that's 2022 with the new car. But I'm ready for them to try something new. I prefer the low downforce package, personally. Watching the cars slide around, that's more enjoyable for me. Make these cars harder to drive. Now, back to the playoffs and what impact this Logano victory had. Well, basically, it drop kicks Chase Elliott out of the top four. Elliott had a good run, won stage one, goes solid in stage two, and ended up finishing at least sixth overall. But. He ended up still eight points to now, out by eight points. He was plus five to the good coming in, leaves minus eight. That's what a win by Logano does. Now, Harvick, he's a plus 41. It would take two catastrophic races in a row for Harvick to, to miss out of the final four. But Hamlin, only plus 20. Now, he, he lost. He had a rough day, got into the wall a little bit in stage three, and ended up finishing 15th, I believe. Lost a lot of points. Still good. Still sitting comfortably at plus 20. With two solid races, he should be fine. But you never want to flirt with that cut line. And now, he's brought the cut line into play. Keselowski holds that coveted fourth spot. Plus a, plus eight upon Chase Elliott, like I said just a moment ago. Now, the other three guys, Bowman, Truex, and Bush. I, I'll be honest. I think they have to win. I don't. Bowman at minus 27. Truex minus 31 mathematically they could point themselves in i just don't see it with how well those other guys are running i just don't see that happening they need to win to get in same for kurt bush blew a motor 
he needs to win to get in at either Texas or Martinsville. I would say Bowman and Truex. Probably Bowman's better look is uh, Texas. Truex and Bush, I'd say the better opportunities at Martinsville. We'll see how they run. Uh, all eight are really good at, at Martinsville. So it should be it should be a very good you know, cutoff race there at Martinsville to see who gets into the Final Four. But, yeah, it, it's really the only two that are fighting point battles here, I think, are Keselowski and Elliott. But we'll see how things shake out here in the next couple of weeks. Now, moving on, back to the gridiron. I wanted to touch on what I think is the most underrated team in the NFL thus far. I watched them play last night, and I I had their quarterback in my fantasy team. And that team is the Arizona Cardinals, led by Kyler Murray. Outside of Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray is the most exciting player in the NFL. He's on pace to almost throw for 4,000 yards. He's on pace to nearly rush for 1,000 yards. He only has 10 touchdowns passing, and he has six interceptions. But he's also added six rushing touchdowns. So the numbers are there. He just When you watch him play, you, just, you never know when he's going to bust one. It's the same feeling you got a couple years ago when you saw Lamar Jackson burst on the scene. You were just waiting. When's he going to crack one big? And that's the way you feel with Kyler. When is he going to make a 60-yard throw? When's he going to bust off a 50-yard run? You just never know when he's going to explode. Fun to watch. The team itself is 4-2. I'm going to be honest. The schedule coming up is brutal. It is. If they get to the playoffs, it would be because they were good enough and they have been underrated. Uh, I could see 10 games being won, which I think is in Cliff Kingsbury's second season. That's a win. That that's a win. Ten wins, whether they make the playoffs or not. That's a win for Kingsbury. He got a lot of a lot of flack, a lot of pushback when he was hired as a coach. You know, coming from the college ranks, he wasn't able to win in college. A lot of people questioned his hire. They didn't think Steve Wilkes had gotten enough of a rope there in Arizona. They thought it was too quick of a move to get Kingsbury. I think he's done a really good job so far. The team believes in him. And that defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph, has done a great job with the defense. They're only giving up around 18 points a game. That being said, we're going to find out a lot about Arizona this week. They go up against Seattle. We're going to know this week whether Arizona is a contender or if they're a pretender. My money is they're going to go against Seattle and Kyler Murray is going to make just enough plays and Arizona is going to upset the league's best. Now, our closing segment. I want to be very clear about something. This is our daily cheap shot segment. And we're going to focus on one person and one person only. Aaron Rodgers. I watched Undisputed last week. Shannon Sharp made the comment that Aaron Rodgers, not Tom Brady was the GOAT. I found that to be laughable at best. But what I saw on Sunday proved everything you would need to know about Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. There is a larger gap between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady than there is between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. It's not even Close. 
They're not even on the same field. One stat will tell you this is not legit. Ryan Tannehill has only been in the NFL probably six, seven seasons. He has more fourth quarter comebacks than Aaron Rodgers in his entire career since 2008. That's 13 seasons, including this year. In games, this stat, I saw this stat, and I thought it was amazing. And it sums up the difference between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. In games where Aaron Rodgers has trailed at any point in the game, his winning percentage is under 500. To put that in perspective, Tim Tebow, a much maligned quarterback, has a higher winning percentage in those type games than Aaron Rodgers. Now look, I'm not talking about arm talent. With arm talent, he could be the best ever. He won a championship in his third season, but he never made it back. His arm is still great today, but he is weak mentally. And that will always leave him behind the likes of even Big Ben and Drew Brees. Now look, maybe he bounces back and he leads the Packers all the way to the Super Bowl. Or they'll be in the wild card. They'll fall behind the 49ers early. And Rodgers will just go ahead and pack up and head off and shoot another State Farm commercial. Hey, at least those are winners, right? I thank you for joining us here at the Daily Cheap Shot. Look for another podcast to drop on Thursday. But we do a little fantasy preview as well as preview the weekend in college and NFL action. And round round three, race two of the NASCAR playoffs. Everybody, have a good one and good luck the rest of the week. We are out.